Howdy CEOs and welcome to Pair Talks Prun, a Prosperous Universe podcast aimed at delivering you a little bit of entertainment, some knowledge and insight into the happenings of the Prosperous Universe universe. I'm your host C-Pair and today we have an absolutely chocker block. I know I say that like every, every, I was going to say every week, every day, we record every day, but um, no, we definitely have a very full podcast uh, today. Got some special guests on uh, the pod tonight which is going to be fantastic. I'm really excited to be talking about uh, some of the topics we are going to be uh, jumping into. So yeah, without further ado, let's just jump into it um, and introduce uh, kind of who we got in the podcast tonight. Uh, uh, Reoccurring, as always, uh, Mittens is back again. We're going to have some awesome talks about uh, all these various topics that interest us and fascinate us. And then uh, further on, we got uh, Trey, and he's going to be talking a little bit about it, it, you. Your username is It's Trey. Do you want It's Trey yeah. or Trey? <laughs> Just call me Trey. Just call okay, me. <laughs> cool. Um, and he's going to talk a little bit about his um, exploration goals, I guess, and you know, setting out into the new world, which is really fascinating and. I know people have theorized it before, so I'm really excited to hear about uh, his thoughts and, and just raise awareness about this. And then Archeo uh, is back. We had him as a guest oh, a few months ago, and uh, we had some good chats in the water cooler, so I thought I'd bring him back and talk about some of the topics we were chatting about in this uh, this month's water cooler. So, um, yeah, excited to have everybody on. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into Trey. So, Trey, I know I kind of just briefly asked you before, but for the listeners, <laughs> the listeners at home, uh, the listeners, so um, how long have you been playing this game for about? Uh, just about a year at this point. Uh, I just came back from a long break for like six months, and yeah. then I re- re- remembered that this game existed, so I've been playing <laughs> like every day now, just a little bit. That's awesome. Know? So why did you take, like, what was the reason for taking the break? Was it just kind of, you're like... All right. I just kind of got busy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. I think it's How something... How difficult I, was it jumping back in after taking an extending an extended break like that? Because at that point, I mean, your I machines mean, aren't running. All like, my colonists were starving. <laughs> <laughs> all the colonists were asking for more rights and stuff. Like, Shoot. Yeah, everything was... I think everything's at like 33%. I need to repair everything right now, so... I'm getting just started back up, but I'm making decent money already. Getting some deals and uh, contracts locked in in my company, you know. And so talking a little bit about actually that kind of transitions us nicely into. So you're, is it is it fair to say it's a company? Like, well, we all are part of companies, but a corporation is it fair to say it's a corporation in like it's deep space infrastructure? So is yeah. this a corporation or what exactly do you imagine this being to some degree? I just imagine it being kind of like, um, I guess contractors kind of like if you want something built far out there and you don't have the infrastructure there yet, you know, just call us. And we can set up a base like for whatever factory you need fuel depots whatever yeah you know and so what was like your kind of what was kind of like your inspiration like what was sort of the like like oh here's the need recognition kind of component of this whole shebang it's like i really want to do this or i really was it just simply like i just want a purpose to play this game or was it very yeah, much just kind of, 
a little bit of a purpose and a little bit of like why not i mean staying in the core is a little too easy so i thought i might make it hard on myself and just go out there you know and it's kind of for those people who want to purposely make the game just a little harder 100 you know? oh it's definitely hard mode like i mean yeah. i could never imagine like self-sufficient you know <laughs> it's got a oh well the, it's rough and it's interesting because because um Mulp actually talked about the fact that this system generator, like how they generated the system was mm -hmm. actually not how they want to do it in like the live, like full release of the game. Cause in the full release of the game, they actually do want like incentive to like for you to expand outside of the core system. Yeah. Right. And it's just not that right now, which is unfortunate. Yeah, Cause there's just like so much space in the core worlds. Nobody has any reason to go outside for more resources kind of thing, you know? So let me ask you this then. So what has been like, <laughs> it's funny because like we work pretty close with one another in in Ascent Mercantile. So like a day's travel is like, whew, that's, that's a long one. But like what kind of a travel distances are you guys currently experiencing right now with regards to this? I mean, like, <laughs> so it's kind of, it's not the, it's not the worst. I, I'm set up on Verdant right now and we're just, we're, uh, how we're going like seven jumps out. Okay. Which, I mean, it isn't the worst, but yeah. What's like an average travel time for you? Uh, I don't know. I have to check. <laughs> I you just, really you just set that. the sliders, close your eyes and I, pray. I wait for the ping. I just wait for the ping. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they arrived. <laughs> you know, this. Yeah. I married and had my first child. Oh, it finally arrived. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, and, and that's great. And so for those that are unfamiliar, um, why I brought Trey on the podcast today was, yeah, so he kind of talked uh, in the Around the Verse channel a little bit about his mission statement um, that it's a, oh, so I do have it, you do have it here as a corporation um, yes. mm -hmm. dedicated to building uh, on the planet, building up the planets on the far rim. And it's interesting yeah. when I first um, was working with Nick on a new trailer for this game, interestingly enough, that actually was, sort of the premise of the trailer was very much like that people get together and go explore like the outer rim of like, yeah. because it's crazy. Like, like, a, like, so like the distance between Benton and like Griffinstone, for instance, which is a common route I take often is like a day. And that's like a few jumps. But then we're talking mm -hmm. about like, like if we were talking like a jump from like, Benton to like LA system like I couldn't even fathom oh there's a planet there's a planet in the LA system I just looked now there is a planet in the LA system called planet McPlanet face I'm not making this up LG 913 uh ABCDE it is number E on the list planet McPlanet face that is an actual planet name and there's 837 there's actually people on that planet which is so funny there's actually people on that. There's a governor. There's a governor on that planet. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. That's hilarious. This is like, I'm just realizing this now. That's, that's too funny. Um, so I guess the question is, uh, sorry. <laughs> Got As I was like, just looking at this jazz. Like, actually, I wonder, like, if we did like a quick little blueprint test, um, to see the travel distance. I'd be really interested to see. So like, if we went from Benton, for instance, Benton Station, 
to somewhere like in the LA system, which is super far away, LA236, something like that, to LA236A, for instance. Yeah, Oof. I'm getting five days. Six yeah, days five from days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's like a full week. Ooh. That's like, yeah. And I think, you know what the problem, though, with this really is the fact that, like, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later. I always feel like we do kind of ping the topics we're going to talk about later. But one of the interesting things is the fact that, like, yeah, simply put, we do need more powerful ships. Like, if if you're gonna if you're gonna get out there, and that's fine, get out there. Like, and that's that's great. That's a great incentive to do. But you definitely need like a lot more powerful ships. You can't just do it with the baseline ships and like oh, pray, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta upgrade mine. Like, it's just gonna cost a lot of money, though. I don't, I'm still gathering all that stuff up, like all the resources to get this whole ball rolling you know it's it's gonna be a lot (laughs) so i guess i have a question for you in terms of awareness in terms of marketing in terms of bringing this to people's attention i know you also were talking about uh revamping the um handbook a little bit which is fantastic oh yeah Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. i i just i put in a few hours today just like youtube videos on how just all this source code works and stuff and it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I think it'll be, oh, excuse me. I think that'll be great because uh, really the handbook. I think it's like really needed, quite honestly. It is. Just There's like, some topics that are definitely, I would say, like, yeah, lacking, lacking like in terms of content. Yeah. Like planetary um, projects, planetary oh. projects and like buildings, like more expensive <laughs> buildings, just having all that's information at your fingertips would make life just slightly easier yeah i i think you had mentioned that you had uh wanted to make pages for every one of the materials and yeah like, the map page gives you a lot of information in game but there's you know there's a good 30 percent of extra information that is contextual information about a material like mm-hmm. you know what who really needs mhl like what are the what are what is iodine really going to be used for and you know oh mm-hmm. what should i make in my hydroponic plant and what are the balance you know farm versus hydroponic farm like there's a lot of discussion to be had on that yeah well and i think that's just it i think you hit the nail on the head there Arkel, in the sense that it's not so much even i think what people are really going to get value from is the fact that it's not so much even like like a Wikipedia description or like a definition, but actually like a discussion right. of like, Hey, like this is actually used for this thing. Like we use it for this thing. It's, it's important in this regard. Right. So it gives new players sort of like an incentive to be like, Oh, I can produce this thing. Cause I know it goes to this thing. Right. And, and I think yeah. that's, I think that's really correct. And I mean, we're talking, we were talking about this. Um, we were talking about this the other day, but uh, our uh, right before the podcast, sorry. Well, the fact that leaderboards are going to help with that, right? Where I, it'd be, you know, it'd be funny if they did a leader. We're having production leaderboards, but it'd be funny if there was like consumption leaderboards. <laughs> it's like, how much are you consuming? Consumes the most. <laughs> yeah, who consumes who the, the most? most? <laughs> I'm probably up there, like with like DW or something. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's really awesome, Trey, that you decided to do that. So I guess the question is for people listening in on the pod because we do have quite, we do have quite a few few listeners every at least like like we get a trickle every week and definitely when I release a new podcast episode definitely a lot of people listen to it and I really appreciate those that do. 
Um, so I guess the question is, for those that are listening and that are interested in getting involved in sort of a higher purpose than, you know, just making money, um, what can they do to get in touch with you? And like, what can they be expecting in terms of like what your ambitions are for them? Let's say that you had like 10 people. What would you want to do with these 10 people to some degree? I I think we would probably just make like a daisy chain of fuel depots all the way out to some the far edges of the galaxy honestly like we could do that i think that'd be kind of cool just and then we'd establish a little uh colony at the very edge wrote it down somewhere i was thinking uh what's the name on mobile of the universe (laughs) yeah exactly I, i was thinking like just like gas stations all over you know so wherever you like, just follow this specific route and you won't run out of fuel as long as you don't really mess it up, you know? And uh, what was the place I was thinking? I think it's, uh, it's QF. I was thinking QF757. That, like, just very edge of the galaxy, absolutely, like, furthest you could get, you know? Well, I wonder yeah, if the you point could... Nemo of the galaxy, you could call it. <laughs> I, I, I hate to take words out of Pear's mouth, but what 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 are you gonna do if we get warp gates? <laughs> warp gates. If we get warp gates, I, I I never even heard if we are gonna get warp gates. But like if no, we it's do, a, it's a for sure thing. You heard it here first. If folks. we do, I'm just gonna we're gonna switch over to just making all the materials that go into making warp gates, probably, Bear and then up, we're just yeah. gonna monopolize the whole thing. You know, you need resources to build a warp gate. We got you. And then we're going to undercut everybody and we're going to we're just going to monopolize the whole system, man. <laughs> That's <you> hilarious. <laughs> um, do what Pear and I are doing and just make all the stuff for warp gates and lose a bunch of money while doing it. <laughs> exactly. But Bingo. when all your when all your um, competition dies out, then you jack the prices back up and then you and then the profit starts coming in. There you go. Um, no, Playing that's a awesome. long game. Yeah. Well, exactly. I was thinking about like implementing it, well, we like how insurance. you would. Um, you know, you could probably set up like local markets. Like, so the biggest problem, mm-hmm. I, the biggest problem I see, and like I, I do see it as like an awesome opportunity. Like, it's not something that I'm like discouraging you on, but like, you know, what you have to do is advertise and like make it known to people yeah. that you do have these like fuel routes essentially set up because it's kind of useless. Yeah. Like. I mean, you're, it's useless you're, if nobody knows about exactly that. right. Exactly. But then you set up local yeah. markets so that you could do sell orders on those markets for fuel, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that would work. Can anybody correct me? I haven't used fuel. I haven't used a local market in months. Could you use you, you provide the goods on a local market ad, like on a sell order, right? On a local market yeah. ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I could see that working. Yeah. That'd be yeah. cool. The, the, the only oh. issue there is like. I mean, obviously, like one. E, I mean, biggest advertising to a gas station, giant gas station sign. Yeah. Very. I mean, so I, I live in Texas, so we have we we have a couple of standouts, uh, mainly Bucky's. But you, like, you you don't go to a gas station because like, oh, there's a, uh, there's this gas station here, so I'm gonna go. I mean, not a lot of people go to this gas station as opposed to that gas station. It's like, oh, this gas station's convenient. Let's stop here. But like, we don't have signs for those gas stations. And I really yeah. think also, I mean, kind of similarly, as ships become more common 
in the universe and the average ships per player increases, it it becomes really nice for anyone who has those outside bases. If they have a midpoint to stop at and send, essentially they have a ship that goes from their outside base to the gas station and then they have a bit, uh, another ship that goes from the CX to the gas station and they meet in the middle and just exchange in the middle. That saves a lot of shipping time and also like one, I mean, it's great for your gas station because that's where they'll pick up their yeah. gas. I I can tell you about a project that I'm currently working on with this uh, one corporation, but it's basically a midway point between uh, Herber and Moria, the um, exchanges, and it's like the perfect midway point, and we're trying to establish all the infrastructure right now. I'm just trying to set up a prefab base so it's just easy to get uh, mm -hmm. all the buildings out quickly and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. How much infrastructure do you need for something like that? Like, are you planning on, like, making fuel on the planet? Or, I mean, oh, yeah. if, if it's just a bunch of people that just have storage units on the planet, then you don't really need a whole lot of infrastructure. I mean, we're pla we already have a fuel depot set up in the area, and we're just going to sell it on the local market of this uh, planet. I forgot what planet it is. Okay. It's like, uh, yeah, so you just it? develop up to the point where you can get like a local market and a few other things going on there, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, this is a NZK 602, it's like it's a perfect halfway point between Herber and all. So, it's a little experiment, see how it goes, see how that goes. How that oh, yeah, because so. Huber's got this weird jump pattern where there's really only one path out there, mm hmm, yeah not extremely hospitable out there either nope. pressure um. point zero one see i think what they need in the game is i think they need like like a super fertile like like really like gaia planets out there that like you're like oh my god like 100 percent fertility it's just like oh my goodness mm -hmm. like it's like yeah we got this massive because i think that would be the thing that would really incentivize people to get out there more right like right now it's like mm -hmm. like the diff, like I'm, I'm looking at some of these planets that are out here at LG system right now, and they're garbage. They're absolute garbage. Yeah. Like they, uh, they have no yeah. point. Except Planet McPlanet Face, Planet McPlanet Face. Oh, love that planet. It's got stuff, but like, but it's not got like amazing stuff. It's got stuff, and even then, it's an yeah. inhospitable planet. It's a, it's a frozen yeah. ice ball. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's not cool. Like it's not a cool planet. And I think the devs. And I, and I know Mope knows yeah. this. Yeah, it, it sounds like they know that, and they're going to change that, be much more deliberate next time around. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know I know there is some some, some decent metal out there. So uh, if you look in uh, just south of that in Delenza LG418, like there's, there's a few solid metal planets in there. There's water, there's oxygen. Like there, there's some stuff going on out there. It's just... Yeah, there's, there's solid limestone planet out there, so like it would be a decent, maybe a decent fabricating base out there you can throw mm -hmm. down. And and in Antares space, we've kind of run out of fertile planets, so you know we have Demeter, which is like seven jumps out from the CX towards the rim. It's not, you know, they get a lot further out, but it's got good fertility, and uh, it's a good choice for for those limited options, but. You know, you could go a lot further. You could imagine better planets even further out. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. How positive is is uh, Demeter? It's better than Harmonia. It's I think it's like at 
it's it's positive, but like just plus a few points. Which is yeah. actually something to something to say for Antar space. It just <laughs> it being positive is a win. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. There's just one uh, fertile planet far out there that I had my eyes on. It's QF nine thirty B. I was kind of surprised that this planet, like, it's just like I think it's one of the furthest out fertile planets. Uh, yeah, Demeter's a hundred percent exactly. Well, it'll be interesting to see what you come up with, Trey. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I for it's one, gonna really require a lot of thought and oh, a lot of work. Welcome, and, like, welcome to Prosperous Universe, where literally oh, yeah. nothing gets done without a lot of thought. Um, <laughs> yeah. 930B actually looks kind of, I mean, it's not super positive on the fertility, but like yeah. water on planet and it's Goldilocks, it's just I mean, crazy far away. So I know, like my goal is just kind of, I don't know, setting up a, I guess, highway to get down there maybe. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. So yeah. let's, like... let's move on then to talk a little bit about, uh, Archeel's, uh, Archeel's venture. Uh, so Archeel, yeah, like I said, it's been a few months since we've kind of had you on the pod, uh, chatting about, uh, various topics. It was actually, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, stock markets and IPOs, but, um, this is cool too. So Archeel Insurance, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about it. What are, what is it? What are we doing here? So the, the reason for this existing at all is basically there's a lot of hand wringing about people who are worried about piracy okay sorry you said that in in the chat to me sorry what do you mean by hand wringing <laughs> so i'm you know, like, like i'm like well, what you know like what do i have to be worried about in this game like what can i get upset about or be scared of and the answer is piracy uh even though in my opinion it's it's a pretty rare thing although other people will you know speak up and say oh no i know i knew three people who got their shipment stolen from them and they quit the game because it was so so bad for them oh geez people are quitting over that oh my god uh, yeah i you know i don't know like but hey other people say that and i feel like you know i'm i go through the piracy reports and you look at it and it's like in the last year and a half we've lost half a million in currency in of value of goods in a year and a half universe wide and it's like you know i could float that no problem so uh, me starting Arcule Insurance is is me putting my money where my mouth is to say like, hey, piracy isn't that big a deal. And if you're a new player and yeah, it can really sting, but, you know, that can be covered. So tell me a little bit about this. Is this sort of working like, is this working like an insurance company or like how, yeah, is, yeah. how is this kind of working? I mean, from my understanding of insurance, at least, yeah. So, <laughs> so the plan is that... So, uh, uh, a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> well... I uh, want in. People, people pay their premium. Uh, you've got a premium each week. And then they invite two people, and they invite their, they pay their premium. <laughs> uh, see, see, I don't have that incentivized uh, growth <laughs> structure, but maybe I should. Um, and basically, during the week that you've paid your premiums... Uh, will provide reimbursement for any of your property that's been lost under a contract with a third-party shipper uh, up to a certain coverage amount based on the age of your account and the amount that you're paying for premiums. And there's some steps to go through a, a claim. Uh, basically, these steps exist in a large part to prevent people from in doing insurance fraud. 
you know, coordinating with a friend and saying, oh, yeah, I just shipped, you know, 500 EDC and the guy took it and it's gone. I need my payout. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Wait a second. Do that again? Sorry. How are you well, preventing this? All right. So so the ways to prevent the insurance fraud, like, you know. Because uh, it's funny. I immediately thought about that exact oh, case. Yeah. I was I, like, dude, this is so going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So in order to get your reimbursement that you've after you've bought your premium, um, you need to mark the contract as be willing to mark the contract as breached and report the piracy event in the UFO Discord. Uh, include screenshots of you trying to contact them. Include screenshots of the breached shipping contract. So my hope is that what that does is it'll prevent you know it. Already, I think in the UFO community, there's a strong incentive against piracy. There's a strong social contract. People don't want to be uh, messing up someone else's shipping contract or, or deliberately stealing it. Um, and then if you do, you get blacklisted, and that should be enough incentive to... That, that dissuades most people. Sure. Yeah. So let me, can I ask you this? No, this sounds fantastic, dude. Can I just tell you, like, I, I, I'm not yeah, yeah. hating on this. This sounds amazing. So you talk about a statement of condition. So what is this exactly? Oh, okay. So real insurers do this. And basically it's like, you know, you get your house insured and you want to know that, hey, if a bunch of houses burn down, your insurance company's going to have the money to cover it. So I basically just wanted to do a quick accounting of my assets to make sure that I... So you, you got know, money to, from Ooga yeah. Booga, is that right? No, no, this is just... Oh, uh... I see that line. No, that is my <laughs> investment in the bank. So I can withdraw that money from the Ooga Booga bank to cover liabilities if I need Ooga to. Ooga Booga has a bank? Uh, yes, we do. What do you I guys do tell, with the I bank? I can tell you all about that. If you, uh, I, I think it's not a secret. Well, I don't uh, know if it's a secret. Like, is I, it a publicly available? <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about something that's not publicly available to people. Like, I don't want to, like... It's, like... Well, it's, it's not public. Uh, basically... Um, Yes, members can deposit money in the Ooga Booga Bank, and they get 1% per week interest on their deposit. And that money is invested in <laughs> certain ways that actually gain significantly more than 1% a week guaranteed. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how banks point. work. Got it. So, okay, uh, let well, me ask you this then. So are you looking for investors or are you looking for insurers, insurees? Uh, insurees, yeah. I, I, I don't expect to need any investment to cover this um, unless it goes absolutely bonkers. And I'll, probably just, <laughs> I'll probably just close, you know, no new accounts. Just straight if, up, this is a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah, if I got, you know, the biggest threat isn't, uh, me paying out too much money. The biggest threat is like, oh god, this is too much paperwork. No, <laughs> like, I don't is think too it many will. clicking through contracts. Nah, I think I mean, that's how Des burned out. Like, he's yeah, clicking, well, he was clicking yeah. a lot of contracts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's good to pay contracts He was clicking through with like, but but between me and two or three other people, oh. and like that's more contracts than I do. Like, he was doing more per. Oh, day he did. He did forty a week for me alone. Stuff. Yeah. 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 No. And I mean, that's why we definitely do need, I'd say, like more robust contract systems. And I think the loans will be good. It's funny because like Nason yep. Financial was profitable for sure. But like definitely like the loan repayment system was 
it wasn't paperwork heavy as much as it was. I would say it was more paperwork heavy for the other party because the other party wasn't used to like I, I I'm used to a certain amount of paperwork in this game. I just am. I, I'm building ships. I run a corporation. I'm used to it. Um, so that's whatevs. But somebody that's not used to that, right? Like having a little bit of paperwork could seem like an absolute mountain, right? And and that I think was the biggest struggle for for those pe- people. And I think having the loan contract system in place, as I think, is it, it's crazy how much of a big difference that's going to make in this game. I think that's going to yeah. be freaking huge. Now, I I would be curious because one of the things you have here, and I'm reading into this a little bit, is you have the premium and maximum coverage. Now it makes sense, like somebody like myself. Um, you know, paying twenty five thousand a week to get uh, insured. Um, the biggest, not the big. <laughs> I'm making it sound so big, like a huge issue. But like, the concern I have here is like, so max coverage per week is one million. Well, how do you deal with somebody like yours truly who covers like five million a week, kind of thing? Like, how can you cover like? I feel like one million. I don't want to. I'm not trying to poo poo it yeah. here because, like, obviously this is a great idea. But like, like, do you guys offer big boy, big boy coverage for big pairs? I mean, I could, I could certainly bump that up. So the only reason it stopped, it you know, it grows up to a million. Like new players, they don't need a million. Uh, advanced players certainly could be. But my thought with that was, uh, if you fill a ship. A 2K, 2K ship with uh, a lot of common bulk goods. Sure. I mean, this is like full, all full of aluminum, all full of uh, any type of crops, or even like T1 consumables if you fill a whole ship with rations or drinking water or something like that. That's generally in the like million dollar range. You could certainly fill it with something more expensive, but I think that might be the point when like, hey, you know, everybody has some shipping capacity of their own. Ship your own really expensive yeah. stuff. <laughs> hiring a yeah, ship yeah. your ship own damn stuff. Ship full of EDC. Right, because <laughs> like sure, you have your own sure. ships for that. Just yeah, like a hundred million dollars worth of VDCs. It's like, yep, I trusted this with somebody, <laughs> a random stranger. Right, exactly. But like oh, you know, man. you know, people are shipping full. You know, you might be shipping multiple ships a day of H2O somewhere or iron ore or something like that, and like. I don't expect somebody to cover their own shipping for that. Like that's something uh, the values just don't get. That yeah. Well, no, this ship. definitely does seem like something I would want to invest in for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, somebody like myself, it has been like for me, it's not. I think maybe it is a point of losing money. Um, but no, I think for me, it probably was at one point, but I think I just became disenfranchised with it. I also became disenfranchised with them, with the game devs being very kind of like, you can do like, like shipping is a part of this game. It's like, and like the thing is there, I get it there and trying to entice people to go and like get a pro license and all this jazz. But I'd say more so what you should have done is like, and it sounds maybe actually that's terrible. I'm not even going to say it. But what I was going to say was more about like the idea of like that. It's more like, you have the multiplayer aspect that gets unlocked with a pro license, right? Because like shipping, I don't, I don't get other people to ship stuff. I don't. I just simply never have um, because of the fact that yes, um, it's just either too valuable or I just yeah. But with this, I think yeah. it does give that e- peace of mind that I think would be right. absolutely fantastic and, and a great idea. So and and 
from the the hand wringing, as I call it, uh, that I hear, you know, people are more upset about the idea of it than the actual real losses. So if I can put someone at ease, so they're confident shipping their goods, uh, you know, that's a win. If yeah, people yeah. are not shipping because they're worried about piracy, I, you know, like, yeah, get get insurance, take we, do your shipping contract. Well, and that's I'm just, just it. It's like, I'm like no, oh, sorry, Trey. Oh, I was just thinking of like a business idea. Like, what if somebody just was purely logistics, and then you insured their logistics system? You know, yeah. And you'd and basically have a reliable shipper from across the galaxy who would be—I mean, like less paperwork for you, I guess, or whatever. I mean, I don't know. Just yeah. I mean, an if, idea it, that if it helps people, if it helps people do their logistics, I want to be a, a shipping person. You know, unfortunately, like the way the game's set up. I don't think you can really play the game as a shipper. Mm. Spaceships cost too much money. It's there's too much downtime. Uh, That's true. Yeah. And our our so, so slight counterpoint. I think this is something we've kind of talked about before um, as something we want to see in the game. If we get like fully customizable contracts, like step step A B C D E F G. Um, I, I think we've talked about doing stuff like covered shipping contracts, where essentially, in order to ship this, I want you to give me a down payment of a million dollars yeah. because that's the value of my shipment. The escrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. An, an escrow shipment. If, how how does what you're doing kind of? How would you interact with that, really? Um. Well, obviously, some other games in the genre do escrow, which which I have played those games. Um, I think it would be a tough sell in Prosperous Universe to tie up that currency, especially for a new player. Okay. And I think the insurance is still really valuable. You know, if you're a brand new player, you immediately buy Pro, you want to take some shipping contracts, there is no way that you can tie up, you know, maybe yeah. 500k in assets. So you can move something for 8,000, you know, AIC yeah. reward. Like, no way. So uh, I, I think escrow shipping is is the way that Prosperous Universe turns shipping into a actual job because obviously the more money you have to tie up, the more money the shipping contract has to be worth. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. But and then like but like as a so as an escrow shipper, I I was thinking like, hey, if I was an escrow shipper, I've got to tie up a million dollars in this contract. I can't guarantee you're going to give me my million dollars back when I finish the thing. Like, so could I get kind of escrow shippers? Uh, I, I expect I would be interested in working with that. I would have to see a little bit of how it uh, shakes out, you know, like I wouldn't want to offer that day one that es the escrow system came out. Mm -hmm. Cause I know there's also an incentive to like, set a higher escrow than the value of the goods yeah i uh, it'll I mean, be interesting yeah, it just depends how, how how if if the devs give that to us <laughs> and how the devs give that to us which i think is something we, we 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 don't ask enough is how will the devs give us this idea i think also as we get multi-step contracts like you said like abc like or not even ab not even multi-step why call multi-step but multi-item contracts right where it's like it's like you provide bing, 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 right? This, 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 this. And then it's like, because I think that's the weirdest thing is, is like, I, I just find it weird that like contracts are a one, one item contract. And I'm like, 
especially when we do shipbuilding where it's like we're shipping multiple things. It's like it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? And I think as multi-item contracts get there, the the max coverage might need to be increased as well if the contracts get big enough, right? That's that's my only concern sure, sure. or like any number of things. But no, I think you got a fantastic idea here. And I think it is really something that's exciting and I do think will benefit the community in a large way. I think more people just need to hear about it. Do you already have uh, some clientele already signed up for this? Uh, I haven't yet. It's mostly been, you know, people discussing it and fine tuning the terms. Because there's, you know, there's, I understand there's a lot of nuance where it's like, oh, I lost, you know, 500 aluminum. Uh, what's that worth? How much am I going to get back for sure. it? And it's like, well, <laughs> I have, I have a process, but uh, that, that can be a complicated you know, question. Well, if you want to know uh, how we do cost to get sold, just hit me up. We can, I can show you how it's done uh, from sure, our end. Because sure. <laughs> we had to figure that jazz out as well, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, the ultimate goal is to get the is to get the client, the insured person, you know, get them back to square one where they were before. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Speaking of, we were kind of doing a little bit of cost of goods sold analysis before this podcast because, um, Arkel, you brought to my attention about the monthly economic report, um, which I think is fascinating because so for those that are wondering, um, each month MOP reports on a very kind of wide spectrum, kind of like BFABs, cash influence, all of this jazz. And it's interesting, we wanted to briefly talk a little bit about um, about this report. Now, for those that are wondering, um, it's funny because the, one of the biggest things we like immediately were like talking about was sinks. And like, geez louise, like a day doesn't go by where I don't talk about sinks in this game, I feel like. Um, it's been like the constant. It's weird too because like, Every, like, not every, but I, I see it to be a trend with new players, especially that people come into this game and they're like, where's the sinks? And I'm like, why do you care? Yeah. Like, why yeah, do you care I, about the sinks? Like, play the I, game. They read an article somewhere, so, and they heard, like, oh, you got to have supply, you got to have sinks. It's like, <laughs> faucet in, faucet out. Yeah. Yeah, which, n- not so much, because the thing is, here's the thing about it, is it's like, you know, you see, I don't know if you guys have seen this in real life, where some landlord, there was this somebody was interviewing a landlord, and the landlord was like, "Yeah, I increased my rent prices," and they were like congratulating themselves on increasing the rent prices. And I was like, "Oh, like did you have to?" It's like, "No, I didn't have to. I just did, right?" And why I bring that up is because in the game of Prosperous Universe, inflation isn't really happening necessarily. Now that being said, when you take a look at something like we brought this up last podcast, I know this for a fact. We brought this up last podcast. That like prices aren't increasing, right? And also that people aren't leaving the game necessarily, but people are migrating to like interesting markets. Like the the market is maturing, and we can see this through BFABs. So people talk about sinks, right? And what, like a true sink in this game really is the idea. Like sure, war. For instance, the deconstruction or destruction of something, that is tossing something out into the void. Now, now that person buying the ship, buying the bullets, buying the artillery shells, buying the whatever, that's not a sink. The sink is when that stuff cease to, ceases to exist in thin air. And that's when value is extracted out of the economy. Now, in the case of Prosperous Universe, we actually do need value to constantly increase 
because people are spending time in the game and there's that natural function, that natural correlation between time and value, right? And so what we see often right now, especially, and I'm looking at the economic report right now for this month, is slowly but surely the money supply is increasing. Now people are like, oh, inflation's happening. Well, not necessarily as much as like people are buying more bases. And the thing though is, is inflation is, back to kind of the purest definition of it, is the idea of money supply with relation to to the amount of goods, right? And so what you do is if you have more money, what do you do? You take that money invested in more things because we have infinite supply of like things. So like we have infinite supply of planets, right? In the sense of like, I can, what can I do with another million dollars? I can buy another planet base, right? And I can go produce more space cabbage if I wanted to, right? And so what's interesting about BFABs though is we're noticing that, and we were all talking about this before the podcast, that BFABs right now, which is quite interesting, are actually hitting their market maker prices. So BFABs, like, so we were looking at BSE right now. BSE is currently market maker for CI1, so it's currently at 1550. Um, but then IC1, it's currently trading at 1540, so it's 10 off of where it needs to be. And the thing though is, is you're not making a lot of money with BSEs anymore. Um, BSEs, they cost about, we kind of did the just napkin math essentially, and it's about, look at about a thousand bucks. You're making $500 off of each BSE. Well, would you rather make $500 off of each BSE? Or would you rather go into something like drinking water, which you can do a lot better profits on, right? And so that's why we're not seeing drinking water and rations increase in price necessarily, because those markets are accumulating players could, like producing that jazz, right? Um, so what's interesting, though, is we're kind of seeing this, I would call it, like, teeter-totter effect, essentially, where it's like, sure, um, everybody leaves this market of BSEs, right? Everybody's leaving this market, but now this is becoming the void. This is becoming the real sink, because when you sell to, or when you buy from a market maker, it goes into the void. It's not going anywhere, right? Like Nobody's getting that money right? Which I find fascinating. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we did see some of the pressure start to relieve itself. Now, that being said, obviously, as the market matures, people go into LFAB products, RFAB product buildings, AFAB buildings, what have you not. So people might need BSEs less. So we could see that being the result of things. But also, it's interesting that it's simply becoming the void that nobody really wants to touch, right? Which is kind of fascinating. And we're also seeing this with regards to um, FIM prices. That was another thing I wanted to bring up actually, which was quite interesting. Have you guys noticed that like FIM prices in like, especially CI1, because that's I think where I was looking, FIM prices in particular, like CXM FIM, if I just bring this up right now, CXM and uh, the FIM prices used to be like somewhere in the thousand range. And now we're sitting at FIM prices like $3,000 for a unit of FIM. Like it's insane because just simply put EDCs being the like being the money maker, right? It's being the, it's being the simple money maker. And so I want to pose this question to you guys because this has kind of been eating on my brain lately is do you guys think with EDCs that it is like it's something that's justified in this game? Like do, do we need EDCs? Or could this universe survive without them? Ooh, interesting. I mean, I think it's a it's a little bit of a different game without them, especially at the at the higher levels of play. 
because you know it does play a role in lar a, a deliberately chosen role in larger corporations. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, in in nascent mercantile, without without EDCs, <laughs> we're not making ships. Yeah, we are Just making ships. <laughs> straight up, we're not we're not making ships without EDCs. Um, and it's it, it's one of those things, and. I, I I I think a big part of it is that as as players are getting maybe more experienced on average, you know, the average account age, everyone's looking at their limited number of permits and saying, how can I make the best use of those? And they're saying, well, it's it's not making BFABs because we can get those from market maker worst case, but you can't buy FIM from a market maker. Can I? Can you just? You can't can buy just... EDC. Can I just step in there and say something to that where you kind of said like limited amount of permits. Permits are not unlimited or blah, blah, blah. sorry, permits are unlimited, but there's like almost like a point of divergence where it's like, I would say somebody could look at the amount of ships they have, right? And be like, oh, like I, I'm limited on ships, right? But then when you're not limited on ships and you're not limited on permits, what's the next thing you're limited on? You're limited on your time right? Because there's no tools of automation in this game, right? And so with no tools of automation, it's very much like, okay, at some point, like the empire becomes too big. Like I, I stop, like the, the corporation stops growing, <laughs> essentially. And you're just like, okay, I've, I've done it. I've, yeah, I've completed it, essentially. Yeah, I, I do track the, the permit count of all the users in our corporation and number of bases. And, you know, people cap out at different points. That's just when they hit their own limit for like, I don't want to grow anymore. Like, I don't want more bases. I'm good with this number. And the problem is, is what do you do then? Right. Which is like, like we're all, I've said this already before, uh, inside a corporation where it's like, everybody I feel like is running towards a wall. Right. And I, yeah. it's unfortunate that under the guise, I would say under the guise of, you know, long shipping times and long production times that this this sprint is just slowed down a bit but everybody's running towards this wall because we don't have any capital investments right there's nothing really that's like and that's that's what we're going to talk about a little well, bit later right, yeah that, and that's where the the ooga booga bank comes in because what do people do they say okay well i got 40 million i'm going to throw it in the bank and quit like that's you know that's what that has happened We've lost a fair number of experienced players just because, like, they ran into that wall. They had nothing else to do in the game. Yeah. That's why I say we explore the final frontier, guys. You know? <laughs> giant yeah. cities outside the core. <laughs> 36 jumps away from Moria. True yeah. paradise. <laughs> no, and that's, and that's you know, what's interesting. You, um, it was on my way home from work today, Trey, what I was thinking about you know, what you're doing is very indicative of what happened with the Elite Dangerous community, right? Elite Dangerous, mm -hmm. very same concept where it's like, oh, we have like thousands of planets, right? Like we have millions of planets yeah. or whatever. And it's like, but this game is freaking shallow as all get out, right? And so people banded together and there was the fuel rats, right? There was the fuel rats that first yeah. started where yeah, they, yeah. they tried to rescue a bit like uh, stranded players. But then they also were like, they also created these like journeys. Like they, they actually journeyed out to this yep. distance. And I was like, this is them, so man. cool. Like this is insane. You did? Oh man. That's oh yeah. And like how many just... how many weeks was that? Or like was it over the course of months or it was well, I did one of the shorter ones to like the closest nebula and then it was like it took me like 
five, six days. Okay. But, I mean, I got some nice screenshots, and, yeah, it was, it was just kind of fun. Gave me something to do. Yeah. I mean, Man, I would have yeah. loved to be on one of the... Because, like, did you guys all meet up at the end, or, like, how did you guys... No, it was just, like, I... I just did it on my own. I'm like, oh, okay. I want to go. I want to go see some cool stuff, kind of thing. Yeah, no, and I think that's that's part of it. But I do think that we definitely do need capital investments. And so I was actually looking at uh, the fim markets here in AI one, which is uh, mm-hmm. pretty. Uh, I should be looking at the CI one actually. Fim markets over the last ninety days. I'll even pull up one hundred and eighty days, which is actually kind of interesting. So <laughs> what's fascinating is like back in like February. Um, and I'm guessing this was an outlier because it didn't last long. But FIM got to around, um, it's almost like what I could see happening here is like people were investing in their own FIM production and then they sold it on the market to like build up their EDC production. And then essentially they started consuming their own FIM because what's happened essentially is FIM used to be back in February of this year, used to be at about 3,500 a unit. And then it dropped down to about twelve hundred dollars a unit, but in so June. Yeah. So that's. Do you remember when the nerf was? Uh, Pardon. The do you remember when the nerf to the uh, the EDC selling price was? Because maybe that correlates Ooh. with the drop in fin prices. It could have been, yeah. But I, I, I would make more of the guess, and you're, you're not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I would say that could be a theory. I, what I see here, though, is this is more of a long thing. So from February, it's slowly dropping, 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 though there was this period between March where there was quite a dip. So we could, you're, you're right, we could have seen that the nerf happened then. Um, but now we're seeing it rise again. And it's going back up to mm-hmm. 2750 a unit, right? And so FIM prices really are, I would say that they're the closest thing, they're the closest indicative indicator we have to, you know... <laughs> How many people are using EDCs, right? Uh, sounds like drugs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how many people are using? <laughs> um, so what, what's really problematic, though, about, about EDCs, in my opinion, and I mean, it is like an, uh, it's a necessary evil. It's something that I think even like I would, I would dare to guess, this is complete tr- conjecture when I say this, that the devs maybe aren't too happy about either, right? Where it's very much like, oh, it's just like, you know, infinite money it's like a money printer right it just prints money right and, and that really ruins the experience for a lot of players but it's like okay that's fine but what we need now then is we, oh <laughs> what do you got there you, you all right there, to... there we go i got i got a chart for you uh oh. so the <clears throat> the oh there's price, the, there's the so march in EDC hey you know what yeah, dude you're not wrong march. you're not far off because if you look at the yeah. correlation like it's pretty pretty bang on i would say yeah we need see we need longer charts at this point because the yeah. universe is you know 500 days old and i know i've been making fim for more than a year yeah that's yeah. interesting actually so there you, you know. go there's there's market makers in action but anywho so what i was saying is it's very fascinating how you know edcs i do feel are shooting shooting the game in the foot to some degree where it's very much like oh who cares about like markets anymore who cares about making interesting products how about you just make EDCs and just print them out and make money, right? If that's if that's your goal, it's like great, right? And I think somebody like yourself, Trey, and like yourself, Archeo, coming along and being like, hey, we actually want to do some interesting things in this game are great. But the unfortunate thing is this at the end of the day, it's unfortunate, but it is like it is what it is, is the fact that like, yeah, you guys are gonna do this and that's great, but like, could you do it like 
seven years from now? Probably not, right? And and so what this game needs though is this game needs to kind of help develop that, right? And help help yeah. foster those kind of ideas forward, right? To some degree. And I think yeah, it need, it needs I to think come forward. We should be able to make uh exchanges like the or at least a smaller version of them, you know? Yeah. Or a simpler or version. Orbital stations. Or, yeah. I mean, and so in the if, case of, you're making gas stations out on the outer rim, right? One yeah, problem with that is, uh, you know, they have to do planetary landings and burn a bunch oh, of yeah. STL mm-hmm. f- fuel. But if you had an orbital station full of gas there, you know, yeah. those are free to land at. Uh, no damage either. So it, Yeah. Like, if they added those, I think there'd be more incentive to go out, you know? And, like, maybe if they had, like, some kind of procedural generation for the map. So, like, when you reach the edge, you just keep going further kind of thing. Like, it doesn't stop. I don't know. It would be a cool idea, perhaps. Well, and I think bringing it full circle back to, like, implementation, right, of, yeah, like, having, you know, it's funny. I, I just thought of something, like, having, like, that'd be cool if you could name your orbital station. So you like like Exxon Mobile <laughs> or like you know the restaurants at the end of the universe. You know what I mean? Like just like give it yeah. uh, give it some funny names. That'd be kind of cool. That'd um, be nice. But I think one of the cool things about like I think a really well needed feature in this game that's com- literally coming out tomorrow. There's I think there's two. I think this is probably in my opinion this is probably the biggest most influential update that we will have in this game. And I'm not just trying to hype this up. Like maybe ship upgrades was like the last one that we had, but with loan contracts and leaderboards coming out tomorrow, I think this is going to be absolutely game changing because the thing is with loan contracts, like, like people often talk about the fact that with, with the start of this game, it's, it's slow, right? It's a slow game at the beginning, hundred percent. So how do you speed that up? You get a loan contract, right? And and you get a loan contract from somebody and it makes it so easy, right? It's, 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 it's painless, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is great. But what was interesting was like hearing a lot of the talk about. So can anybody fill me in? Because I'm actually maybe, maybe I'm off off the chart here when I when I talk about this. But like, so people were talking about that SCC is now required for ship repairs, and people were making it sound oh, yeah. like this was like sliced bread like the the greatest innovation since sliced bread like so what's the big deal i you know i didn't see anyone think it was a terribly big deal i think it's just i've seen a few people that are like oh my goodness (laughs) you know i think i did see one person misunderstand and i think you know right now just plates is a little boring the ship components are uh you know they're cheaper than plates anyway and they're reducing the number of plates so i think all it means is hey, your ship repairs are going to be a little less expensive and they're going to use two things instead of one thing. I, that's all there is to it, really. There is some there is some interesting things about some of the balance changes going into this game. So one of the things that they were talking about in the behind-the-scenes chat was the efficiency from the faction HQ. Did you guys hear about that? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I still doubled. think it's pretty minor. Yeah, Dude, it's doubled! doubled. Doubled from, a minor. doubled from negligible to also negligible. <laughs> <laughs> what was it before? Does anyone remember? Was it like 10%? 10%. It's, I it's uh, okay, so, well. I mean, that adds so up, this is, dude. This is the extra permit 
efficiency bonus. If you oh, hold yeah. more permits, if you permit, hold think, unused yeah. permits, it increases your um, uh, efficiency bonus that lines up with the faction produ production. So in Antares, it's like electronics or whatever. Yeah. Who even knows? So, yeah, pair. When I when I move my my HQ over to Antares, uh, for when I had five out of ten used permits, I was getting about a three point three percent production oh. bonus to electronics. So it's not like our corporate. Oh, frick. it's not like oh, no, corporate no. HQ. <laughs> it's your. It's company oh, HQ that is different from corporate yeah. HQ. So like three point three percent, but having, but I have I have to have, and and it's not based on number. It's based on percentage. Yeah, so if I'm only using fifty percent of my permits, per, right. I get a three percent production bonus, and that's it, doubling to six. Yeah, I I don't know exactly what the math is, but it falls off. So like I'm at twenty three permits. If I get one more permit and don't use it. My electronics efficiency gain goes from five percent, which is the base amount, to five point four percent. Ooh, so, so fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 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 theoretical choice that the developers are asking the players if they want to make the the meaningful gameplay choices. Hey, should I only build three bases and make a whole bunch of permits for the extra percentage? And it's not a meaningful choice because it's always better to use the permit to. Uh, actually have a new base than it is to get this super marginal percentage increase. And I don't know what it needs to be increased to for it to be efficient, but doubling is not it. Like you need, you need, I don't know, a huge tenfold increase for it. To, and then you're sitting on like, I'm at three bases, you know, 15 permits and my efficiency is a hundred percent doubled, you know, something like that. Hmm. I mean, so, I, I agree with them doing it as, as a percentage of your permits. I, I do kind of like that idea. But, like, I mean, yeah, th there has to be something meaningful. Like, for if I'm buying two permits to build one planet, I need a significant kind of production boost to make that worth it. I mean, probably, it, it, I mean, it has to be somewhere in the magnitude of, of 30 to 40%. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't want it to exactly be one-to-one -one, because then you just have people... Like you don't want to double the bonus. Yeah. It's not a decision. There's no decision right now because it's just never the. There's yeah. no. I couldn't engineer a time when it's the right choice. <laughs> no, that's fair. I think one of the biggest things will, like, honestly, it will be the the loan contracts. It is funny that they hooked it up to the fin fin fin. Yeah, the fin, not the fin. The fin. Here's favorite screen. Yeah, honestly, I was like. I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll continue to ignore that. <laughs> yeah, it, like I don't want to be so cynical all the time about it. Like, obviously, it would be great if it was, if it was like, if it did kind of tell like a real like good story. But I don't know. I find it often as like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, but I think that will be good. I think there will be some other things that will be coming from this update that will be good. Is there anything that anybody else sees from this update that's like going to be absolutely gigantic? Like leaderboards, yeah, obviously, that's a big yeah. one. I'm just mm -hmm. really excited that we're, you know, we're getting stuff like a bunch of little quality. <laughs> I know there are some I'm quality just of life we're stuff. stuff. You sound like a child on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's been a while. It's it's been a while since we had some like meaningful stuff, and like 
I think they hit every category because we have quality of life changes where some little commands are improving. We have balance changes. The ship balance changes, I think, are actually going to surprise some people based on what we've seen out of the test you server. Know what's, you know what's funny? One of the, you say quality of life updates. One of the big ones that I'm going to really appreciate is the first one on the changes uh, bu- uh, bullets here. I don't know if anybody – I'll just share this link with you guys um, so you all can see this. But the first bullet here. Recent contract partners are now shown as suggested recipients. I'm like, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, thank God uh-huh. for that. Oh, man. Well, that was... You know what would make that that quality of life improvement is effectively a moot point? Let us do our multi-item contracts. Oh, 100%. Well, no, yes. No, no. This, it's, I think, it, is a good update. Like having, oh, update towards that. send this contract to CPAIR, like... Because I'm sending 20 contracts to CPAIR, let me send a contract for 20 different items to CPAIR. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we've oh, had yeah. a couple of those recently, and we have a few of those coming up. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think they, you know, they did hit the relatively, you know, they're trying to get the most bang for their buck out of yeah, whatever their development cycle looks like. No, I think it will be. It'll be good. I think there will be some interesting, like we've seen some area changes. Um, some various kind of updates about uh, extreme climate planet uh, resources, which will be good as well. Um, I think one of the things I want to encourage people with is like, on, on, like when I first started this game, we were looking at uh, colonizing a planet um, that had like, I think it was a low temperature planet because we needed insulation for it. And like at the time I was like, oh my goodness, this is such an undertaking. I don't know. Honestly, it's such a moot point now like i i colonize i have three planets that i'm currently on that are not goldilocks planets right it's super simple it really is you just gotta now i will say there is certain things that for sure watch look at the markets right look at the markets and see what exists because it like if a certain product doesn't exist like i can think of like one in particular like heavy i think it's like high gravity high gravity materials like don't really exist on the market which I think it's, that's the liquid oxygen thing or whatever. Uh, breathable liquid. Yeah, breathable uh, liquid. I, I sell breathable liquid. Oh, there you go. Go to Arkeel if you want to sell a high-gravity planet. I mean, <laughs> l- let me rephrase that. I, I have like 400 on the, on the CX, and I don't sell it. Mm-hmm. But it's up there, guys. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be a good update. There's lots of... I think it's going to be a very meaty update. And I think that's why they call it like liquidity. They're calling it a big update. Um, but that does take us kind of into our next subject, which I'm just going to bring up here. And that is we actually, we're going to skip the second subject in this bookcase. And we're going to go to the last one because it kind of ties in nicely. Um, now for those that are wondering, um, that might have, I don't know how many people like, you know, probably most people that listen to this podcast probably listen to the updates as well, but they recently talked about the idea that, you know, the the German government is giving them money. Now I'm not a game. I'm not a game dev by any stretch. I've never developed a game. I've never built a game. Never worked on a game. Um, but I will say this about this: is you know we are all paying money for Pro, and that's because I want to support the devs because I think they have a really great product, right? Um, and I mean, servers don't run on magical unicorns and bubbles. Um, but in the same stretch, it's very much like it, I would almost. And I did write about this in the brief where it's like it's concerning that like major updates are pushed out when like the government gives you money it's like what that's like non-profit stuff like that's not like like if if you're struggling with this it's like raise your prices then 
right? Which is like, the, that's my biggest concern here is the fact that like you have like, it's like this classic, like you've ever seen, because we actually talked about this in our esoteric gaming podcast thing about like MMOs that are built with like one dev, like a dev gets together with his friend. And he's like, let's build an MMO. And they build this like, you know, Unreal Engine crap or whatever. Right? And you're like, ooh, <laughs> that didn't turn out nicely. Now, obviously that's not the case here, but it's like, you know, it, it's it's almost like somebody would come and be like, hey, we're going to build like Fortnite, right? And we're going to build like the content stream that Fortnite gives players, right? We're going to do that with like the expectation with two players, right? Because what do people expect from MMOs? They expect updates, right? They expect content to be pumped out on a regular basis to some degree. And I feel like the development cycle is just not consistent and not strong enough, unfortunately, to keep up with the insatiable demand that I'd say a hyper-competitive market of 2023 sort of has generated. Um, so what's your guys' thought about that? Like, do you agree yeah. that we're facing, like, because I feel like we were talking about this earlier, we're facing this wall. Like, we're running towards this wall, and I have a fear in my heart that we're all running towards this wall, and there will come a moment where it'll kind of be too little too late, essentially. Like, because what's crazy is you really read the Steam page for this game, and the Steam page says that it's like, oh, like early access and we're going to do a full release one year from now. Well, that was a year and a half ago now. Yeah. <laughs> and we're nowhere close to, to the features that they were talking about. Yeah. So so I've been in the game development industry for about 12 years now full time. And I, I guess I can I can speculate or I can explain why this happens sometimes, maybe not in this situation. So the, the, hey, we're only spending the amount of time on this game that we can, you know, fund it for, that, that we're making the money for. It, it's, a, it's a common situation for indie game studios to get into where oh, they're Well, it's a, no, it's, it's a game business. And, yeah. It's business, right? No, I get that. And, and usually what's happening in those cases are, like, you're picking up contracts and you're making someone else's game. Like, when, when I launched my Steam game, it was you know, me and my business partner, the other programmer, taking turns doing contract work to fill, to make the money needed to work on the game. So if they get a big fat check from uh, a grant to work on the game, that's like, hey, everybody get off contract work, we're all working on this. I don't know if that's the case here, although I know that they are. They also spend time on uh, Logics has the other game, Airline Sim. Yes. And my understanding is that that's still a bigger market for them than Prosperous Universe. According to the so, podcast episode, the two podcast episodes ago, yes, that is still the case, yeah. So it might just be the business math of, uh, you know, like, hey, which project gets the, which squeaky wheel gets the grease, and it's based on the income <laughs> that they're pulling. So, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's my guess from, like, a business side of things. Sure. Um, no, you're probably I know. Being yeah, I I know on the like you know what features are gonna land when. Um, you know, my only usually you know you can make anything fit when someone's giving you money and they want they want something like yeah I'll make this fit. <laughs> they you know they want to hear that it in this case you know oh it's regarding like environmental impacts or something like that. Uh, yeah, I can make something relevant to environmental impacts <laughs> in my game. So and, and work on what I want to work on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody else got any uh, thoughts? 
Um, I think if they need to do environmental impacts, I think I really think warp gates could help with environmental impacts. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. yeah exactly. Nailed it. Yeah. Make us build sustainable colonies in the <laughs> rim. Air uh, talk, warp gates. <laughs> oh, man, that's too funny. No, I think that's good. And I, I do so think, um, yeah, it's like, so in order to get them funding, this is Mop saying, uh, we had to pitch them on features that were distinct from the existing game, a substantial extension, or else we wouldn't get the funding. Now, the last one, as we're all aware, was about the mobile, right? So it was like a mobile thing. Um, so the pro project is a Prosperous Universe project again. Uh, I won't go into details now, but it will follow a later time. I could already tell you that it, the working title has both politics and infrastructure in the name. Now, politics, I don't like, oof, that's a tough one. Well, like, I don't see how that's like, like infrastructure, like, because that's. Oh, no, Poli politics is uh, governors, changes yeah, to how governors work. Huge. That's, if that's there's what a I'm governor's screen or sure. like, a way that you could have, like, instead of a governor, this is a. Um, autocratic like, planet. Yeah, autocratic <laughs> or democratic planet where, like, hey, everybody, everybody throw parts in. Or, I don't know, maybe like an auto-governor that just says, hey, this is how much money I need. I mean, uh, I guess my whole... That governor just maintains and everything else is based on donations or... My yeah. hope is that it's government wallets, you know. Mm. That's... Well, one thing they were talking about was, was tariffs, which is interesting because, like, that could be oh. a sink in this game, actually. <laughs> Speaking of sinks... You know, that could be a sink, really. Like, like, wouldn't it be just absolutely bonkers if, like, you had to pay, like, a toll booth to, like, oh, cross man. borders? Exports like, and imports for, like, planets? Yeah. Like, like, you would uh, have to in like industrialize it. a planet. Like, the Yeah, because they're talking about, like, reading so. into this a bit, they're talking about, like, federal ministry. Now, I'm thinking they got the grant, or they got the money from the same people last time as well. I don't I don't know, necessarily. It was a um, different ministry. It was a different... I, like, I don't know how the German government's organized, but uh, <laughs> it was the transportation uh, industry before. Ministry yeah, there. and so the federal ministry for economic affairs and climate action really, yeah, like, economic affairs, like, yeah, for, ter for sure, tariffs. And that could be a political thing where it's, like, factions factions and everybody that's part of that faction votes on the tariffs right like everybody votes on the tariffs and mm -hmm. and then you vote on certain tariffs and, and back and forth and you have that and it might be interesting if you if you did have like if we all elected one faction leader which would like essentially set that up and, and let that run kind of cool I, I definitely think that would be a cool feature um but I, I definitely, I, I, I go back to this. I definitely am more excited about the infrastructure at the end of the day. I think yeah. that will be, that is really what's going to save save this game. I do believe that. Sorry, Mittens. It, it, infrastructure and government is so vague. It could really mean anything. It could mean anything. It infrastructure could. could be warp gates. Uh, <laughs> in, infrastructure could be the energy system. Whatever infrastructure, oh, is, whatever infrastructure it is, I promise you, DSI will be working on it. Like, just, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I I'm looking forward to it. I I do think that infrastructure will be the thing that'll really make this game tick for a lot of players. Um, it it's interesting because one of the things I got thinking about often was a very much like. With EVE Online, you know, what keeps people coming back for more, 
right? It's like, oh, there is this like back and forth and back and forth. And there's in, there's there's interaction happening between players, right? There's like this melting pot, this stirring yeah. pot, essentially. With this game, there's none of that. There's none of that. It's a very single player game. It's the most single player MMO I've ever played. Like you're very much on your own, right? Like it's like the only reason corporations kind of exist is really just to add like almost like pepper shake that MMO aspect onto the game, essentially. And that's it. Like apart from that, like you don't need to be part of a corporation, right? Which is, um, yeah, which is unfortunate, right? Because then it's like without being in a corporation, it's like, yeah, there's, there's really no difference, right? And so it still feels very early access to some degree. A lot of this game feels like just making the number go higher, you know, like your yep. little bank account just go up. Like that's what it feels like at a lot yeah. of times. Well, and, and I know I haven't used a com channel in about a year. Like it's the game happens on Discord for me. Yeah. Yeah. For mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know what? Okay. You know what? Oh, speaking of that, you know what I thought of the other day that I was like, Ooh, this is going to be problematic. Here's a thought I had. So with the leaderboards, if if leaderboards are not put in a prominent spot in this game, like if they're not like fixed to the sidebar or something like that, like nobody's going to care. We'll just have oh. to take screenshots of our leaderboards and send them <laughs> send to the them Discord. To <laughs> just send them to each other. Uh, it's like, hey, look at my, look at me. I'm on the top. <laughs> yeah, that that's that that that. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, a good concern. Like, this game is built, I, I mean, like sound. So I mean, there there's nothing really fixed anywhere. It's true. Now, obviously, I, I would love to see like a leaderboard shortcut on on the left side of the screen where it has all the yeah, that's what I meant. Like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. just so it's easily accessible. Uh, maybe not necessary. I, I mean, I think prominent may not have been uh, the right way to describe at least so people can it. find it. New yeah. new players, because yeah. I mean, obviously, there are a ton of commands in this game that just the only way to find the command is to click on commands and scroll down. Well, you know, it's funny. I mittens. learned about the bra command. Yeah, <laughs> I was listening to the podcast this morning and I was like... I had already done my repairs. Yeah, yeah. I was like, remember the BRA command? He's like, wait, what? There's a BRA command? I was like, yeah, it's it's like you're building repair command. And uh, yeah, it, yeah. if you don't focus on that stuff, then yeah, for sure. It can definitely get lost in the weeds. I didn't um, even know that existed. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, welcome I'm to just, the I'm looking at that it's now. Yeah, it's a great command. I'm going to need that now. I told you my base was at like 33%. I... I mean, absolute beautiful command for you right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes things simple, for sure. It's a great quality of life command. Um, yeah, I did uh, I did the old school BRA command that is just a spreadsheet and then like <laughs> hoping and praying that it doesn't oh, yeah. degrade by one additional BSC. Right, I've been there before. Oh, I've been there before. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to take like 10 more MCG with me just in case this thing goes down another percent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good, dude. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It is concerning, and I get your point, though, Ark. You'll back to kind of the original topic about the idea of the government, German government money. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I come at it from like a very marketing, like a marketing inspired angle, where I'm very almost, I'm, I'm always about like the relationship between product and price, and they're kind of like an eternal struggle with each other. 
and where it's like yeah like if your product is amazing like you should charge for it like very much so but in the same stroke it's like you don't want to charge you don't want to be greedy but you definitely if your product is good and you know the value of your product you should charge for that right um also in in, an early release product like this a very niche product like this a, a product that is still very expensive because it's being actively developed um it's it can be hard to put a price on um because obviously like the value of this game and and the perceived value from players are two very different things right and then you run into a problem like uh so uh i play uh runescape 3 which is the kind of uh not the old school version of runescape the the continually updating one but there have been several max mass exoduses of players uh, because Jagex, the company that, that makes the game, has tried to um, essentially get more funding out of the game. And they've tried several different ways, and usually it just leads to a bunch of people leaving and their actual profits dipping. Hmm, that's interesting. So, they, so like, they what's one what, way they tried to do it? Made everybody go away. Um, they tried to kind of up their advertising for in-game purchases that made a bunch of people leave what why don't that make a bunch oh. of people leave uh so oh, yeah it, it, for sure it, yeah so um essentially like it for a while they don't do this anymore i'm super happy it's not like this anymore they went from okay you log in and you're in the game to hey when you log in there's this pop-up screen that says play game at the bottom but above that tiny play game button is, hey, here's a bunch of different things you can spend real life money on to increase your XP rates or for cosmetics or for this or for that. And they they released some rare items that were actually like, hey, this is a unique boss drop from this boss, but you can get it if you open up this treasure box if you spend money on keys to open the box. And you can get this super rare armor but it's a it's a treasure hunter version. Hmm. So and yeah, that, that would take me off. But the advertising, I'd be like, whatevs. But like, yeah. If well, so it's were... it's because it's instead of logging in and going straight to the game, you log in and you go to the microtransaction screen, and then you have to click again, play a game. And I mean, like, like C Perry said, like you people are looking at the the, you know the value of a product, you know, that's what you should charge the the added value in a business to business, you know, people are uh, transaction, people are sitting down and doing that math, but you know, gamers, they don't know how fun the game is going to be. They don't, they're comparing it mostly to the prices that they expect for other games in the genre. You know, they're not doing the math of like, how fun is this compared to going to a movie for $20? You know, none of that normal economic thinking happens in uh these kind of purchase decisions so it's it's tough one of those decisions especially like not not a lot of people are paying full price for a game they haven't heard of before you're not paying full price for a game without a marketing budget i think i've bought a game that was that was quote-unquote full price which um now debatable somewhere between 60 and 60 and 80 dollars i haven't paid that for a game in over two years yeah 
So, like, I mean, how how I value games is very different from the next person. And there are a ton of people who the new Call of Duty comes out and they're spending $140 (laughs) on on the legendary edition as soon as it comes out. And there are people who are like, you know what? I get 95% of my games from... like Xbox Game Pass, Microsoft, <laughs> yeah. Microsoft Game Pass. You know, they put yeah. in fifteen bucks. Microsoft on there. Game Pass. I have Microsoft Game Pass. That's how I've, I've tried a bunch of new games just through Game Pass, and and really kind of just weeded through a lot of games that I felt meh about and really liked, and you know, kind of didn't like. And there's Humble Bundle where you can go in and like, hey, you know, twenty bucks. Let's try thirty new games. So I mean, like when, when there's options like that out there for gamers, it really is because like that's where I find most of my indie games is Humble Bundle or Friends and like oh it's a seven dollar indie game yeah I'll spend seven bucks to try a new game yeah but something like this where it's like ooh well if I spend ten bucks on this game I only get to play it for a month and then what happens after that like I don't know if I want to jump in like that or if it's well, free to play that has its own connotations with it like oh why is it free. Well, I think the biggest problem there, you've just identified it, is one of the issues we brought up earlier was the fact that because production times are so long, shipping times are so long, that people are like, oh, I got, like, in their minds, right, in their minds, they're like, I got a day's worth of work done in a month, right? And that's like, and I paid for that, right? Which is, that's, yeah, that's really unfortunate. Yeah, I, I do think one of the challenges of this game is I, I think it's the greatest strength is that it's it's a game you can play a small amount each day and keep coming back to. Um, yeah. I, I don't like the idle game label on it because I don't think this game feels like Cookie Clicker or other things that people think of when you say idle game. Um, you know, I don't think it feels like Clash of Clans or anything like that either. So it really is in its own genre. And people, you can see in the Steam reviews that people don't understand what kind of game that they were getting <laughs> into. No. Like, it's one thing to be confused about the UI, and that's fine. Like, I get that, but uh, they're expecting a game where they're going to sit down and play, you know, this is what I'm doing for the next eight hours, is I'm going to sit down yeah. and, like, interact with the game mm-hmm. uh, directly. Yes. The only thing you do with this game for eight consecutive hours is spreadsheets. Spreadsheets, yep. <laughs> spreadsheets. Have you ever I'll wanted just be to watching just... YouTube and just yeah. waiting for that little <laughs> ping in the background, just the ping. Uh, the fleet's arrived. Time to sell. Yeah. Oh, you my know? fleet's arrived. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. No, I think it'll be interesting. And, like, I don't want to sound like... I, I'm I'm critical because I guess, like, I, I think often and, like, usually the conclusion is, like, maybe a critical thought. But like I don't anybody get the wrong impression that I hate this game or anything like that. This game is extremely special to me. I love this game to bits. Uh, I love playing it. It's definitely a game. I it's a game I wish I had when I was younger. You know, when I was younger, like I was a I was that kid. I was telling my friend the other day. I blame Honda for this because um, remember that commercial that Honda made about the Rube Goldberg machine. I was just that weird nerdy kid that was building Rube Goldberg machines in his basement, like. I'm I'm a thinker. I think often. I think a lot. And and a game that can facilitate that stimulation for me is is great. And and this game does that for me, which is fantastic. And I love it to bits for that reason. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I wish I had yeah. this game before I had responsibilities. <laughs> I agree with you, Aaron. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. 
Um, so going to the last kind of subject, I was the German government was actually a lost subject, but now it's the real last subject because we. So for those that don't know, in our Discord, actually, uh, I know some people don't actually hop into our Discord, but we do have a channel called the Water Cooler Channel. Water Cooler Channel. And it's a great channel where uh, I raise questions, people raise questions. You get to hear my rants literally at like one in the morning. Um, when I'm like laying on my bed and I'm thinking about things, I think about a lot of things, but I do think about this game and we kind of were chatting a little bit about, um, just, yeah, the stock market and like what, what would happen. And so my kind of theory, the thing I threw out there and kind of started up a firestorm of discussion was about, you know, the unrealistic reality of a stock market. Um, so I know a lot of people probably get really hyped about a stock market, they look at like you look at the candlestick charts. Here's the thing. Here's the wacky thing about the candlestick charts that I find weird is, um, well, no, it makes sense to some degree because there's buy and sells. But, um, you know, when I started looking at those those candlestick, char- candlestick charts, I was very much like, ooh, I wonder if I can build any like indicators. And I actually did. I came I came extremely close. I kid you not. I deleted it. And I, I kick myself every day for deleting it. Um, but I actually built as close as we can come to like a VWAP indicator for uh, price action in this game. So essentially it was very much like kind of an indicator of player sentiment about certain products. Um, but the thing is, is people are like really excited about stock markets. But I'm sort of like my kind of conclusion. And I'm just going to go back in the back in the kind of discussion here. Um so here it is. Um, so I'm just going to read you guys what I had here. Um, to, everybody seems really giddy about it, but honestly, I never see it working. A fundamental shift, uh, I never ever see it working. A fundamental shift in people's thinking would need to would be needed to make this a reality. We're not talking about Prosperous Universe 2.0, but more so like Prosperous Universe 4.0. To give my example, I'll use one of my favorite Canadian companies I like to invest in, which is PPLTSX, which is Pemina Pipeline. Um, And it's one of the oldest companies. Actually, my grandfather used to work there. And so the question is, why have any IPO, right? Why does Pemina Pipeline have an IPO? Uh, Companies make IPOs to get liquidity, to go after investing in factors of production, right? So factors of production, for those that are unfamiliar, would include things like entrepreneurship, land, machines, labor, things like that. Like, you know, factors that go into a business essentially. Um, But then if these factors cover the IPO, why not buy back? So what I mean by that essentially is like, okay, so you got your factors of production, you're able to buy back your shares, no problem, right? Because the thing is, is if you buy back your shares, if if you're a real company, let's say Pamina Pipeline, if Pamina Pipeline were to buy back their shares, it's actually seen as a last resort it's actually seen as weak from a financial standpoint. Why? It's because it's similar to why we don't want the government to run a surplus, right? We don't want the government to run a surplus now. We don't want the government to be trillions of dollars in debt, right? Um, but in the same stroke, we don't want the government to be running a surplus either because it's then it's like, okay, like <laughs> it sounds crass to say this, but like, you know, um, we don't want the government to run a surplus because people are still hungry, Right. So what do you do with that money? You throw it at like hunger, right? You throw it at food. You throw it at food programs, right? You throw it at any number of things. Similar to Pemina Pipeline, where it's like, if they were to all of a sudden buy back their shares, their shareholders would be like, 
well, why are you doing that? Why aren't you investing it in better pipelines? Why aren't you investing it in this, that, this, right? And that's actually what these companies do, right? They take they take large amounts of money and then invest it in other companies, right? Um, prime, exa- prime example I can think of off the top of my head would be something like Tencent, for instance, right? Tencent, they buy, they, you know, buy up video game companies, but they also have their fingers in literally every single video game company that ever existed pretty much, right? And so the issue here, and really maybe my first crux of my argument, is why the stock market will never really exist in this game is because there isn't infinite capital projects to invest in. That's our biggest problem. Now, something like Archeal Insurance, for instance, or something like Deep Space Exploration, sorry if I botched the name there, Deep Space Infrastructure, my pardon, um, is those would be kind of capital projects you could invest in. Now, the problem with them is, not, I don't want to sound like they're bad ideas. Like I've said, they're fantastic ideas, but they are player run, right? Like it's not like Archeal Insurance is like a institution in this game, right? It is actually something that you've made that if you wanted to, I mean, you could ghost everybody tomorrow kind of thing, and then it wouldn't exist anymore, right? And so the problem is, is there really isn't these capital projects to necessarily exist and to thrive into. Um, so what are people's thoughts? Yes, no, maybe so. Do people agree with my thoughts on this matter? Not so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I touched base on this a little bit in the last podcast, but we we could, theor- I mean, if we could separate entities from players we could theoretically have a stock market because that that entity could own things the the and then players could then own that entity and those players could make decisions and take control over that entity and and i think that that absolutely has to happen before we have any kind of in-game stock market yeah definitely a prerequisite well it's interesting you brought that up actually mittens because we did <laughs> during our kind of discussions 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 right was the idea that, um, you know, when it came to investing, like when you're when you became a corporation, right? So if you joined the nascent mercantile, right, there would be a process in which all your, you know, all your bases um, belong to us essentially, right? So they're no longer mittens bases, they're no longer C pairs bases, like they're essentially like that they're all thrown into one massive money pot. Right. And this money pot, like you manage your stuff. But what would be even cooler, would be really even cooler, is actually if it did open up. And then it's like, we, I saw your bases and you saw my bases and we saw each other's bases and we became like a large like conglomerate. But then in order to like, so you could liquidate, right? You could liquidate. And essentially what it would do is the game would keep track of like the value of the things that you're doing. And then if you wanted to liquidate, essentially you would, uh, you'd be just paid out in cash essentially right yeah, i i i don't i i don't super like that <laughs> as a concept mint um, mint mints give me give me your bases mints <laughs> um so like obviously just, like man. we want each, each person is a company the game is fun because each person is out doing their own thing i think it would make more sense if instead of that you can effectively purchase shares in the company with the value of a base so nascent mercantile is worth a hundred million galactic credits i have a 20 million dollar base built out on here i 
transfer ownership of that base over to nascent mercantile. Nascent mercantile, at the same time, dilutes their uh, dilutes the value of their shares by issuing new shares to me, making me a proportional owner to kind of what I have put in. Now that becomes a little bit of an issue because like, oh, my $20 million base isn't actually worth $20 million. That's somehow artificially inflated. And I'm, that's something that, that can be battled. But like, I have this garbage base on a garbage planet that's just really expensive <laughs> for the sake of being expensive so I can get more shares of nascent mercantile. Um, but I also have, I have my other four bases and I'm doing my thing, but I'm also a 20% owner of nascent mercantile because I donated these bases worth 20% of the value of nascent mercantile. And I also now have 20% voting share over nascent mercantile decisions. Hmm. I, I, I guess for me, the question then becomes like, how do you uh, like like what do you do with your twenty percent share? Um, like how does that generate money for you? I mean, sure you get like voting rights, but are you yeah, are so you voting rights? What are you voting uh, on? Presumably, there's <laughs> there's some kind of a dividend paid out corporation sure. profit. See, yeah. okay, I actually want to per share dividends. I want to stop us there. I could also sell portions of my shares to to other players out in the wild if 20% ended up being 20,000 shares. Well, now that nascent mercantile is its own individual thing, we can say, hey, this is a company that has a net worth because it, it owns things. So it has intrinsic value based on the assets that it holds and the profit that it generates. So I now have 20,000 shares of nascent mercantile. I can sell those out on the open public. Like, hey, you want five shares of nascent mercantile? That'll be 50,000 credits. Now, thing is about dividends, which was very interesting, was the idea that I think often people do think that, like, you know, companies offer dividends, right? Well, no, not necessarily, right? Like, companies do not need to offer a dividend, Um now, obviously, a lot of good Canadian companies do like and I can speak to NASDAQ companies as well. Um, there's a lot more to speak to. So that's why I stick to TSX companies, because there's fewer. Um, yeah, and we actually have a so I'm pretty sure NASDAQ does as well. I, I might be speaking uh, smoke here when I say this, so I'm not actually 100 percent on this one. But uh, especially in TSX, we have companies that work with drip programs where it's like you do like it's a dividend reinvestment program, essentially, where you just take your dividends, throw them in more shares, right? And that's kind of, it's like a retirement thing. Um, but the thing is, what's really interesting is why why shares increase in, in, in price, like, right? Because the thing is, is a company doesn't have to offer dividends because it could simply be why you invest in that company is because you believe that their revenue, that the, that the, 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 the cost of the share is going to go up, right? And there could be a number of factors that go into why that happens, right? And so I think the biggest issue here is, and it's funny because sometimes actually it's it's actually bad if a company offers dividends. Funny enough, like if a company offers too like too big of dividends, actually, whereby um, if they start servicing dividends with debt, that becomes an issue, right? Then it's like, oof, that's that's brutal. Essentially, you're kind of running into that problem, right? Um, and so the thing is is I think it might be more beneficial to actually just offer shares without any dividends, 
right? Because of that fact, then it's like, well, why would I invest, right? Well, you would invest because essentially there would be that reporting. I know, Arkel, you talked a little bit about the amount of paperwork that you'd have to work on with this insurance thing, right? But part of that probably could be if you did offer an IPO, because I think one of the big clues here is like, I think people, there was a few people that were kind of talking about, I don't know if Arkel, you brought it up, about the idea that it's like, I when I think of an IPO, I don't think of like just average Joe's like doing IPOs. I do think that it would be a large group of people that would do an IPO, right? And then you do this IPO and this IPO would be like, and then you have revenue, right? Like that, then there would be this element of like, oh, the company is increasing in worth, right? And so I'm going to invest in this company because I do believe that this company is going to increase their share, right? Right price, right? And then you could sell it if you wanted to, right? Um, So it's not every day that a company offers dividends. Now, I know often companies do, right? But I mean, look at GameStop. (laughs) They didn't offer dividends. (laughs) Look where they are now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so dividends come from the profit that a corporation makes the profit typically that a corporation makes they take that money generally most dividend paying stocks pay out dividends quarterly and that is just hey the corporation made 10 percent profit over the last three uh three months for example that would be a large number that would probably be more likely a number we kind of see in prosperous universe a 10 percent return on investment but instead of putting all that money just in the company bank account companies generally choose to do one of two things reinvest that money in the company that would be a non-dividend paying stock that would probably be something like uh, more defined as a growth stock the company's not paying dividends to its shareholders because the company's effectively using its own using its profit or its dividends to invest back into itself usually for expansion so in order to kind of simplify that down into the prosperous universe um a corporation that's building ships the example i always use because it's the example closest to me um we're building ships nascent mercantile made a three million dollar profit we can either pay out that three million dollars back to our shareholders we could sit on three million dollars in cash or we could invest that three million dollars to improve our production lines well if we invest that three million dollars to improve our production lines our profits next quarter are going to be bigger if we keep the $3 million in the bank account, it doesn't affect our profits going forward, but that increases the value or the net held assets of the company, which would raise the share prices. So typically you see dividend paying stocks grow less because they're paying dividends along the way. And two equivalent companies, um, I mean, generally the one that invests more in itself is gonna grow faster, Um, but almost kind of average out like hey dividends over time plus growth over time versus strictly growth over time hmm so so in prosperous universe if i'm a potential investor you know Mm -hmm. uh the only i'd I'd buy stock in something under the hope that someone else will buy that stock for more later from me 
and like hopefully that chain just goes on forever then yeah I, I mean every person every person <laughs> welcome in to that chain, the stock market sounds like nfts yeah. every person in that chain needs to believe that it's going to go on forever because yeah, otherwise so, so they'll be ca a, caught holding uh, the bag what's the there's a there, there's a term for that and it happened a lot when when nfts started coming out the uh, bigger idiot fallacy where you buy a thing because you're an idiot. Around it. Hoping there's a bigger idiot to buy that from you. Yeah. But what's avoiding that is there's actually a financial backing behind this, which is the valuation of the company. The yeah. company has okay. money. It has buildings mm -hmm. that can be destroyed for fabs that are worth money. There, there is a backing so, to that. So everything. that's the conclusion that I came to as well. Like, hey, but, there's a real financial backing here, but the game needs a mechanical way to... There needs to exist a mechanical but I think way we to need pay to, out that backing. I think we need to dispel people's fantasies. Of, that would be a not a company liquidation, but a corporation liquidation. Correct. Liquidation. Yeah. I think we need to dispel pay out to the shareholders. We need to dispel people's fantasies about the idea that you you yourself are going to have an IPO. Like I, I definitely do not see that ever happening. Oh, where it's personal like personal IPO, absolutely not. Because like, well, no, but like that's what people were saying, years. right? That's what people were saying. I'm like no like because the thing is is like if you were having an ip like no it's very much like that we are in the bit like for instance archeal insurance i don't funny enough unless the game like i said radically changed i don't see that ever having an ipo right in the game necessarily now you could offer a stock price yourself that would take a ton of paperwork um uh funny enough when we first started chip building i actually thought of offering an ipo um it would require a lot of paperwork um, but the thing is, is I do think there would be other things. Now, the biggest issue, here's the one of the biggest concerns I have, especially with the energy update, is if they do the energy update where they make it harder, where they make it harder for players to do the thing they already are doing without really any like big incentive. Like, so for instance, if they just tell people like, oh, your buildings require energy now, Right. I think that'll piss off a lot of people. I really do. Yeah. Like, it's a not going to make people happy. On autopilot here, like if I had to redo twenty bases, like oh man, I don't know what I'd do. Oh, uh, I would, I would probably tear, like immediately tear down two bases. I might keep the permits. I might keep the planets. I would immediately tear down two bases if it became enough more difficult to manage those bases. I know two of my bases that I would fully demolish. But here's where I go with it. If it was like, so if they were like, okay, you need to build like a wind farm, right? You know, we talk about infrastructure and the climate. If they were talking about like that, we're introducing wind farms or solar panels or any number of things into this game and you have to build those on top of your base, it's going to piss off a lot of people, including yours truly. Now, if they were like, okay, there's these new capital projects that are being offered, right? Such as pipelines um geothermal um dyson spheres talked about a few other kind of like energy producing capital pro um hydro plants things like that and that other players could invest in them and that we created an energies market right cool that sounds great right that that actually sounds like a cool idea but like or even energy to run on a planet, planet it's almost like a really. system sorry what was that trey oh i was just saying like what if it up the efficiency of your production and like sure. the whole system if it was a dyson sphere or on the planet you know yeah everyone on that planet would just get a i don't know 20 30 percent buff or whatever i don't know 
Yeah. No, hundred percent. But that's why I think I think the logical next kind of evolution of like I could see us doing the very first capital project. I know some people were talking about like, oh, Para, what's a pipeline look like? Well, a pipeline could look like similar to a warp gate to some degree. <laughs> Bear with me. Warp gates. Yeah, warp gates. Of course. <laughs> um, no, but it's like that idea of like taking like something like uh, tectonium or like uh, what's that that thing I'm producing right now that I forget because I produce way too much. That uh, tech tectonium or something like that. Uh, technic tech technetium technetium. Oh, Nailed it. Um, but you know, like you take like a, like if a technetium became like volatile, right? And so it's like, essentially what you need to do is you have a whole bunch of producers on one planet that are like one end of the pipeline, right? Or like different attachments of said pipeline. But essentially you drew this pipeline through planets, right? And like, oh, you want to have like, kind of like almost like a silk road, then it's like, yes, this makes sense. Now you have this like volatile product that can only be shipped through pipelines, right? And that if you if you mm-hmm. wanted to get your kind of like, so you could set up like various sort of values of pipe. Like, so you know how we upgrade buildings in this game? You could have like, okay, like a tier three pipeline can ship this much tech, technetium through, through it a day kind of thing, right? But then if you wanted to get on top, if you wanted to get a piece of that little pie, you could build your own little capital project yourself and it'd be like a tier one where it'd ship you like 20, but it'd be super efficient in terms of energy, right? That's the idea is like, it's a volatile product similar to oil, right? Like where oil, yes, we can use trucks to ship oil. We can use trains to ship oil. People like using pipelines to ship oil because it's fast. It's efficient. It's really good. It's cheap to do too, right? But Um, the problem is we can't ship oil through a pipe through the ocean. And most of the universe is ocean sorry what do you I mean think, I, I, I think outer the problem space. Is, yeah pipes in space, space. I, I, no no we're done no this is pipes in space dude this is not real life like this is a game we can do whatever we want mittens detach yourself from reality do move like not in canon if you click oh my goodness where planets are so like I, I feel like it 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 breaks the game a little bit if we say like yeah yeah there's there's a pipeline these are flexible the pipelines I mean, these are well, these are flexible you know those like, like what if the pipeline a... was like a warp gate no. <laughs> like, it was more like a train pour, station you just pour like, the oil in and it just comes out the other end what if it was more like an automatic train station where like you would build it on the sun or whatever and then you would have automatic shipments just non manned go back and forth yeah oh, along dr- the silk road kind of drone shipments like drone an shipments. automatic drone line where it's like hey this is a this is a like a super shock absorber like i don't know put 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 some kind of and since it's drones a, you don't got to worry about g's drone. like you don't got to worry yeah. about the safety of your pilots you know exactly let's fast don't have to worry about explosions and like radiation hey, you know, not a problem Four percent of the drones explode because this is super. Uh, it's super volatile. So four percent of drones explode. So only only ninety six percent of what's shipped gets delivered, and it goes from here to here, and then here to here, and here to here. I tell you guys, we got a really good idea. Anywho, um, so yeah, that's kind of at least like some of the thoughts behind stock markets in terms of like feasibility kind of reliability and just realistic, like whether they're realistic or not. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think though, 
Here's another big issue with, I'll just bring this up uh, before we end the topic here. But I think one thing in particular is very much like, and I don't think people realize this, especially like when they look at candlestick charts, like for the first time in this game, they're like, Ooh, I can buy so I can buy low and sell high. It's like, yeah, you can buy low and sell high when you have like volume of like 10,000 players. But when you have a volume of like 4,000 players, no, the volume's not there. And that's, I think, one of the biggest problems with the stock market. Yeah. I don't think it's something they should be investing in personally, like the devs, because the volume's just not now. If the volume was higher, 100%, go, go, go wild. But I, I don't think it's something they should write off either, because like, I, no. I do really like the idea of nascent mercantile being its own thing outside of your bases and my bases and everyone else. 100%. The, in the corporation's basis. I, I like the idea of it being that thing that makes the game more multiplayer. Um, also, weird backstep. I want to build drone bases on all my bases. And instead <laughs> of, like, we talked about of, that I, a few podcast episodes ship, ago. I want to slowly ship a hundred H2O at a time and just have a bunch of drones move my H2O. Yeah instead of doing a ship full of h2o a ship full of h2o now i want now now i want the drone pipelines oh like, for my own base, it would radicalize this game for one thing. that would be really cool like hey yeah. you know what instead of shipping what uh what 2500 h2o at a time like hey i just let's get a bunch of drones to ship 50 at a time and just let it happen slowly over time and have to be this, like a team effort to establish factorio where i just have belts carrying things and delivering them just in time yeah 100 percent. well that so there was a podcast episode a few podcasts we talk about it i don't think you were there mittens where we talked about the idea that for new players especially probably not but like yeah like you get like it, we were actually thinking of more like ship computers right ship computers could be like a craftable item that you put you upgrade your ship with and then it becomes like an automated like back and forth, like a train, almost like a Factorio train, right? You know, those like simple rules in Factorio where it's sort of like, okay, wait until, wait until the cart is full and then ride it to the next wait, wait till it's empty, ride it back to back, ride forward, back, forward, back, forward. I think that's totally possible. And, and what it would do too to this game is it would radicalize things to the point where you could have, you could have players running empires. You really could. And I think that'd be really cool. I think I think that would keep players playing a lot longer if you did that. I really do. And I think that's also really important when we start to in introduce corporations because now you have multiple people sending these shipments for the corporation, and you just get the, get get that automated stuff going on. Or like, I mean, drones are already in the game and don't have a use. I think this drone idea is good, and it might just be me who thinks it's a good idea. No, I love it, dude. No, well, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, but like a imagine drone, a drone has a very small storage space. Mm. And maybe well, I was thinking, that, but you can have a hundred drones when you only mm. have two ships, and you could program those drones to go back and forth. Maybe it's not the ships. The ships have to be piloted by people, so they have to be commanded. But drones are automated. And that mm -hmm. gives the use for drones that are already in the game, besides just being a bad EDC. <laughs> I mean, imagine just setting up like a base, and I, I always go to the far reaches of space, but just imagine setting up essentially an automatic base on a really, um, I don't know, a planet that's got so much of one resource, and you just have it automatically just roll in from 
far and reaches of space. You would have to have a lot more drones to keep the pipeline going. But or, like, like you need, be, like, a yeah. highway, like, the train station on every single system along the way, because drones are stupid or something. They get lost sure, easily. You need, like, a targeting beacon on every single... So, like, yeah. there'd be these highways across the galaxy. What if... What if you oh, had space um, stations to drop the beacons off? So what if you had these like sort of like gates that the drones could f- <laughs> <laughs> just always to the warp? So I like I like drones for planetary deliveries because yeah. I've got I've got planets where like I just you know I've got a whole bunch of extractors I mine CLI and all that CLI gets sent to another player in my corp. And he turns that into iodine for me and then ships it back to because you want to get your uh, experts, right? So uh, I don't know if other people do that very commonly, but uh, if I could just automatically send that to him, it would be a really nice bonus for me. I think the big thing, the biggest problem that, 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 the, that the devs don't want is that like bot automation, right? Because then you could just mm-hmm. like, you could set up something, but I think that could be easily fixed whereby you do have something where it's like, these drones are not infinite. Like the drones need to be repaired. Like there is like a whole new market behind like repairing drones. Like drones are not as drones are not as reliable, like, not as reliable, but die. like they repair, they need more repairs, right? They need more like LHPs. They slow or down need... over time. Like your base batteries yeah. will it's die too. one day, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. They run on batteries instead of the fuel that you're, that, that like leads into the energy market they have to get recharged every once in a while or something Ooh, I don't know, like they got downtime energy market mm-hmm. i don't know but like yeah I mean, yeah you have you have you assign a number of drones to one path and then your drones much like your planets you have the uh like the average efficiency of your drones because uh, and your drone condition average. So, like, I'm looking at a production line right now, 140%, 6% efficient, 93% condition. So, oh, oh no, I have to recall my drones and stop this production or stop this shipping line because I need to repair all my drones. And oh, I have mm-hmm. 200 drones, so I need 800 drone parts, and I need this many batteries and and all this to get all my drones back up and running. And I have to do that at a planet with, I don't know, is Drone Repair Shop already a building? I think it is, actually. Maybe. Oh, no, it's just Drone Shop. So maybe it's not done with a Drone (laughs) Shop. Like, you have a building that you drop on a planet, and and that works as kind of one of your drone beacons, but there's like a, they have to recall, and they have to be repaired at this building. So you have to kind of have this either extra extra building on a planet or this extra planet that kind of hosts your drones and repairs your drones mm. just like I, ju- I was just thinking of this because I don't know drone a new warp gate what if you had like your normal ships could be like mother ships for drones so they, they didn't have to enter the atmosphere anymore and take that damage they would just send a bunch of drones to ship that unload all the material down i don't know just i mean we could do a similar thing where you or you have like an item mm-hmm. you build just that's just works as a drop ship mm-hmm. but the idea of using drones for that is interesting 
I say they just let us drop our payloads from space and let it let it take the damage. Like you lose seventy five percent of all what you dropped, but like it's Un easy. A guided unmanned rocket that you launch <laughs> from anywhere in the universe to the planet, and there's just a percentage of what's on the rocket gets destroyed. Hear me out. Intergalactic space laser. It's shaped as a moon. I mean, I do think there's a, there's a there's a place in the game for like a one-time use cargo pod to send thing to send somewhere, uh, you know, fill it up with cargo, send it somewhere, drop it off, one-time I mean, use. For for the efficiency you're gaining in in dropping it from orbit instead of landing, like there is, it would have to be crazy cheap. Or you would have to be in some weird hurry to have to use that. <laughs> saves you like eight hours or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, it saves you. It saves you from building that extra ship. You know, is what is what I see it as. You know, you've 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 you need a little more than however many ships you have. You know, grab a couple of those, buy them on the CX. Or like, oh man, I, I don't have a ship available from the CX and I'm out of drinking water. I'm going to buy one of these and send a bunch of drinking water to one of my planets. Yeah. Send, uh, I need a thousand drinking water on this planet. Let's send 4,000 in a rocket. <laughs> and see what happens. Cool, guys. Well, I think we'll end the podcast there for the evening. This has been an absolutely fantastic discussion geez louise time is flying just two hours just zips like that um yeah definitely a lot of topics covered tonight i feel like we talked about a lot of things it'll be interesting to see tomorrow what this big liquidity update does for the game um i think it's gonna be awesome to see the leaderboards come out it'll be awesome to see uh loan contracts become a thing um who knows maybe nascent uh, financials start back up again um so a lot of good things are going to be coming from this update. I think it's going to be a very substantial update. It's funny, when I originally thought about this update, I was like, yeah, it doesn't seem that big. But no, it's definitely, it's definitely got some meat and bones behind it. I think it'll be a good update for sure. Um, so yeah, you've been listening to uh, Pear Talks Prun and Pear, Pear, Talk, Pear and Co. Talks Prun. Um, so if you're interested in getting involved with uh, Nascent Mercantile or the podcast itself, uh, you can hit us up on the various discords that we are involved in. Uh, join us on the water cooler as we do kind of talk about these various topics, such as, you know, stock market, other kind of topics uh, regarding drones. I think it is a fascinating topic because I do think that'll be a huge game changer for this game. Um, so who knows when the next update will kind of what it'll, what it'll bring. Um, probably expect it later in the year here. So I'm excited to see what, uh, what comes out of it. Um, so, yeah. You've been listening to the Paratox Prime Podcast, and uh, until next time, thanks for joining us, guys.